can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. I have a joke for you. Okay. What do you got? So if you've heard it before, just roll with it and pretend like you haven't. All right. I think you'll really get a kick out of this. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? An interrupting cow. An interrupting cow. Who? (laughs) You mean an interrupting (laughs) co-host. An interrupting me. An interrupting co-host. Yes, there's not been one episode where you've not interrupted me. Hey, I'm Rudy Stankwitz, and I am here with The Interrupter. I'm Andrea. Known for her interrupting skills. She interject. You know what it is? I know she doesn't interject, uh, interrupt on purpose. She just gets really excited about things, has no filter, and then blurts shit out of her mouth. That is exactly, that is exactly correct. You, you, got me, you got me pinned. I am, uh, I just get excited, and I just got to... Let it out. Today, I wanted to talk about AOP. Fantastic. Do you know anything about AOP? I know some. Uh, You're going to put me on the spot and make me sound stupid, but... (laughs) No, not at all. AOP is not an easy concept for folks to grasp. Not a lot of people know about it, so I don't want to put you on the spot. But it involves using ozone. It involves using UV, sometimes a combination of such... What about UV and ozone? How are you there? Um, I mean, I've never actually serviced any systems. Well, uh, no, well, no, I, uh, I was servicing a pool and they installed the Hayward ozone system. I can't remember off the top of my, is it one of the two? Sorry. I always get them confused. Also, that's another problem that I have. I get them, con- you know, switch, switch them out or whatever sometimes in my head, but uh, I never actually, okay. ser- I never actually got to service the pool after we installed the units. And I'm trying to think, um, I can't think of any other pool that I've had that I know to have been either ozone or UV. So, well, you know, we get, we get I've UV rays. UV, I've had UV in spots. See, we started early. If Andrea interrupting Rudy was to become a drinking game, all of the listeners would be completely shit-faced by the end of each episode. I've had UV rate. I've had the UV spas. I've done a okay. couple of those. With the so you know bulb. we get U- <laughs> UV. We get UV from the sun. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to say before I was so not rudely <laughs> interrupted. But you get UV from the sun, and that actually does sanitize a little bit in the pool. It's caused some problems for some folks out in California. If you remember that video with the black balls, mm-hmm. right? Do you remember watching the I video with the black balls where they had to load them up in the reservoir? And the whole reason they had to put them in the reservoir was to deter the UV rays from reacting with the bromine in the water and forming the disinfection byproduct bromate, which is a carcinogen. They didn't want that in their drinking water and for good reason. So UV does actually, from the sun's rays, change some things. We know it burns off Mm -hmm. chlorine. 
That's why we use cyanuric acid. But UV in a pool itself, what we're using it there for is, is neither of the two. We're using it there to destroy contaminants, right? Bacteria, mm -hmm. viruses, algae, protozoa, all those good things. Do you know how it does it? Um, no. Well, it has a light. I was going to say, I, I, I guess I get the concept where it passes in front of the light and then, you know, the light shines the UV and does its thing. And so... Remember the old GE, the GE slogan? So I like to say UV brings good things to light. So what happens is as the contaminants pass the light... They vaporize. Step into the light, Andrea. Go toward the light. As it steps into the light, destroys the internal genetics of the cell. Oh, interesting. So rendering it completely... Done. And that's how it kills things. Once the door is locked, there's no way out. All the water doesn't pass through in one shot, though. If you've noticed, there's always like a bypass, so you're not sending it all through. Right. And one of the problems that we have with UV is if the water is cloudy, it's not going to work as efficiently because of the cloudy water. It's not going to come in contact oh. with everything it needs to come in contact with. Plus, that's a key there also. It is a contact kill. Mm -hmm. So no residual. Right. There's no UV residual. That type of thing just doesn't exist. Okay, so that's UV. What about ozone? Uh, no, I don't. I, I know less about ozone. There's ozone in the atmosphere. I know that. Mm -hmm. We have a layer of it. Back in the 80s, all the users of Aquanet hairspray that destroyed the ozone layer. Yeah, my aunt's a hairdresser, so. All the big hair. <laughs> Ozone's pretty cool. Ozone happens naturally. When lightning strikes, if you've ever been close to a lightning storm, when the lightning strikes, an electrical storm, not like with rain and stuff, but after the lightning strikes, sometimes you get that odor in the air. I don't You know what I'm talking about? And I that don't know. smell I that don't you think smell. So. No? So that that smell would be ozone because that lightning strike powerful enough to split oxygen molecules. Yeah. And we know oxygen is O2 right? Mm -hmm. So when you split O2 in half, what do you get? O3? Eventually, Sweet. you start with O1, right? Because when you split O2, you get an O1 and an O1. Well, oxygen doesn't want to be O1. It wants to be O2. Sometimes the O1 hooks up with another O1 and it lives happily ever after again. But <laughs> there are other times when an O1 hooks up with an existing O2 and they got that three thing going on, which we know is always temporary, never works out well. But while it's happening, it's one of the most powerful oxidizers that we know of. Here's another one. Maybe this is easier. What about a copy center? Have you ever been in a copy center? Like a Kinko's? Yeah. Uh, yes. Long time ago. I mean, I don't think they have those anymore. Okay. But yeah. But as you as you approach the copy machine, you get that copy machine smell. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I guess. Yeah. I mean. Do you live in a fucking box? Um. So I mean, yeah. I don't. I never worked in like offices and shit. I so that copy <laughs> machine smell from the light going back and forth, making the copies, even on a small level. Oh, uh, I think I I do think I know what you're talking it's, about. It's strong enough to split the oxygen molecules. And so the ozonation that we use on swimming pools does the very same thing. It splits oxygen molecules. And then the way ozone destroys contaminants, one, it alters the genetics just like UV does. It destroys DNA, but it also ruptures the cell membrane. But again, contact. 
obviously if something if some contaminant or some you know whatever dirty dirty deeds and they're done dirty some dirt some crap if some crap passes if it doesn't pass through either the ozone the dirty the dirty birdies if there's some kind of schmeg or something that probably shouldn't use that word let's come up with some other how about gack or schmutz do you know what it is for real isn't it gross <laughs> so whatever i mean whatever contaminant you want whatever you want to call it the nasties, the germies, the cooties. How about that? <laughs> nice. Yeah. So if the cooties don't, <laughs> don't actually pass through, you know, pass in front of the light bulb or through the, or the ozone or whatever, it's going to live on. Yeah. All of the disinfection is done pretty much in the plumbing for ozone and it's done in right at the light for UV. So it doesn't really go beyond that. And that's one of the reasons that we use it as a secondary oxidizer, right? Supplemental oxidation. We ne we don't use it as a primary. The other reason is, is that when that pump shuts off, mm -hmm. it's not producing ozone or it's not producing UV. So there's nothing left in the water to offer the pool any protection. Pool Magazine is the hottest new publication featuring up-to-the-minute news on what's happening in the pool world in a fresh new stylized format with our mobile-friendly app. Pool Magazine is the app for keeping your fingers on the pulse of the pool industry. Download on Google Play and the App Store. Whereas you know when your pump shuts off at 8 o'clock right. at night on a residential pool, when it kicks back on at 9 in the morning, there's still a chlorine level in the water, even though we haven't been adding it throughout. So that's why we always have to maintain right. a slight chlorine level when we use either of those systems. So why am I talking about those? Oh, good question. Why? <laughs> that's how we get to AOP. Yes. It's called advanced uh -huh. oxidation process which involves us generating hydroxyl radicals in dissociation of hydrogen peroxide in sufficient enough quantity to That's what we're doing here. So you're familiar with OH negative, which is? Hydroxide anion? Correct. Absolutely. I knew it. I didn't guess at all. The hydroxyl radical <laughs> is it's the neutral form of that hydroxide anion. So it's kind of like we've given ozone and UV hydrogen peroxide, steroids. Okay. And it goes out there with super kick-ass power, and it destroys things much, much quicker than ozone could or UV could. How cool is that? That's pretty awesome. Been around for a long time in swimming pool use, but since this chlorine catastrophe that we went through last year, it's actually starting to gain a little bit of momentum, like a lot of alternative sanitizers are, but AOP is one of them. And it goes back as far as well over 100 years, but it's just taken a long time before it made its way to swimming mainstream swimming pool water treatment. Now we're probably just at the beginning with a foot in the door, even though it's been used on high pools for quite some time. So... So this is something that you need to have, like, this is a combination of things, right? Like, you can't just go like, oh, I'm going to convert my system to AOP and then just put in a UV system and be done with it. That's not what we're talking about. You're going to have to install a couple of things, right? So these things, luckily for us, these have been around in water treatment for at least 40 years right now, as far as treating water at municipalities and such. So a lot of the headache been worked out and, you know, they use it for killing some of the toughest 
of the tough, uh, cyanobacteria, cryptosporidium, white water mold, and of course, cyanobacteria's black algae. So it does take out all of those things very easily. I mean, so does UV and so does ozone, but this just does it so much faster. It's all about hydrogen peroxide. I was going to say that that's what when you say hydroxyl radical, I don't know why, but it makes me think of hydrox hydrogen peroxide. I don't know if it's a word association thing or if I just kind of retained the information and I just don't really realize that I know it. I don't know. Kind of thing. It's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery to me. After half the stuff leaked out of your ear, it's a wonder you have <laughs> anything left in there to know. Hydroxyl radical is the result of decomposing of hydrogen peroxide in every scenario. That's how this hydroxyl radical is made. So the product, again, like I said, it's the neutral form of the hydroxide. It's very short-lived, but it decomposes organics and inorganics by a process called cracking, which actually breaks apart the bonds that hold these molecules together. Well, wait, can't you not, um, can't you not mix chlorine and peroxide? Like, can't you not put a chlorine in a peroxide pool? Well, what happens if you put peroxide in a chlorine pool? I don't know. It turns brown, doesn't it? It doesn't turn brown. What happened in Brazil? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what happened in Brazil? <laughs> How do you not know what happened in Brazil? I don't know. A lot of things happen. But you have to be specific, Rudy. There's a lot of a lot of things dealing that with swimming. OK, back to know. 2006. Do you remember 2016 at all? Not. Or was that like a good year for weed? <laughs> Every year is a good year for weed. Now, 2016, I don't really remember. 2016, Brazil, the Olympic Games, one of the con one of the pools, uh, the dive pool turned green. Do you not remember this? Oh, I remember that, but I don't remember it being in Brazil. That's it why. It was in Brazil. I remember that. And it was because of peroxide. Oh, really? The water in Brazil has a very high sulfide level, which means it smells. It kind of stinks like that whole... Uh, rotten egg kind of smell. You know what I'm talking about? A high what level? Sulfur, did you say? Sulfide. Sulfide. It's actually... Sulfide. Yes. The decomposition of sulfur by bacteria into sulfides, and the sulfides are what gives you that rotten egg smell. So anyway, the water in Brazil naturally oh. has this. Right out of the tap, it smells like ass. <laughs> so okay. they fill their pools with this, but they're aware of it, and they got to top the water off and all that stuff. So now here we are. We're having the Olympics. All eyes in the world are on this pool. There is not a more popular pool in the world than this pool in Brazil at the time. Mm -hmm. 24 hours a day, everybody's looking at this pool. So they want to make sure everything's perfect. They know if they have hydrogen peroxide on hand, peroxide will oxidize the sulfides and make the smell go away. And then they don't have anything to worry about. Everybody has a wonderful time. They're ready for this. I believe it was the Australian dive team that started to complain that the water had a musty odor to it. Ew. So they reacted really, really quick. They took this hydrogen peroxide and they poured it into the swimming pool, which oxidized the sulfides and got rid of the smell. But hydrogen peroxide is also a chlorine neutralizer. Oh. So in that. getting rid of the sulfides, they got rid of the chlorine. All the chlorine. But now the problem gets even worse. So they have an ORP system set up in there, right, with meters, and they're injecting liquid chlorine, just like most of the pools that you take care mm -hmm. of. And we know ORP reads its oxidation reduction potential, right? right? It reads the oxidizing capacity of the water. 
and chlorine affects the oxidizing capacity of the water. So this is an indirect reading. It doesn't really measure the chlorine level, but it measures the oxidizing capacity of the water, right? So when it sees that that's off, it knows that there's not enough chlorine. It tells the meter to inject more chlorine into the system, mm -hmm. just like the systems you have. Right. We should be good to go. But the problem is, you know what else affects the oxidizing capacity of the water? Peroxide? Yes. Sweet. So now the system's, <laughs> the system's looking at the water saying, hey, man, like we're good to go. You know, this is kind of cool. It's groovy, right? But the problem is it is not groovy because there's no chlorine in there. And peroxide alone is not a good oxidizer at all. And here we are in Brazil. It's the middle of summer. It's practically on the equator. And then the pool turns green. So that's basically the rundown of what happened there. What question did you ask me again? <laughs> so, oh, I think I asked you, uh, oh, I asked you, you can't mix, you can't put chlorine in a, in a peroxide pool or vice versa. So the answer to that is what, why? Um, because Brazil. Just like Brazil, chlorine. Because we don't, we don't want, we don't want to have a green Olympic pool. Peroxide event. is a chlorine neutralizer, no matter what country you use it in. But they do still recommend having a minimum chlorine level with these systems. So we're not necessarily using enough hydrogen peroxide to take it all out. So wait, go back to Brazil real quick. It had some smelly sulfur water, so they added hydrogen peroxide to take care of that. The, the hydrogen peroxide. Uh, zipped out all the chlorine. And then what happened? So then the ORP system started pumping in chlorine? No, it wouldn't because it thought it had enough when it really didn't. Oh, that's where I was confused because of the high. Oh, okay. No, I got you because, sorry, the the peroxide made the system think that there was chlorine in, or an, an oxidizer in there. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So it kind of it tricked it. Okay. So it didn't add chlorine and then it turned green because it just didn't have chlorine. Not because the green was a reaction with the hydro with the peroxide and the chlorine. Like not that if you mix them, it's immediately going to turn green and or whatever. Correct. Okay. That's where I was. What Andrea is describing sounds more like a reaction between chlorine and biguanides. Swimming pools that use biguanides as a sanitizer do use hydrogen peroxide as shock. Adding chlorine to one of these pools will turn the water into techno color vomit. And peroxide alone is not a very powerful oxidizer. It doesn't work very well by itself. And they have whole pool systems just on peroxide, don't they? I mean, they might as well just be using OxyClean. OxyClean! But wait, that's not all! Oh my god, do not, do not start another fucking internet hack trend, please. For the love of god. You still can't get over the bounced dryer sheets, <sighs> can you? No, I still can't get over the magic erasers. I didn't do that one. <laughs> That was all your idea. So, all right. So there's a couple of different ways that we can actually generate these hydroxyl radicals. Okay. A couple of different methods of doing this. All right. Lay it on me. We can go with a system that is just ozone and UV alone. But you need both. You can't just have No, one. you need both. UV has enough energy to begin the, the decomposition of ozone. 
and they call it UV photolysis, which in the water, it results in hydroxyl radical formation and also the formation of the hydrogen peroxide that we need to make this whole thing happen. So the ozone UV method, probably the best method of generating the hydroxyl radicals, but it struggles to produce large quantities just simply because of the low solubility of ozone in water. This method falls short cost comparison to something like uh, peroxone and recent advantages in technology, I think we might start to see that creep back up again. Most of the systems that you see coming out onto the market now, this is what we're looking at. It's a UV-ozone combination. The UV, again, starts the process of decomposing the ozone, and we get hydroxyl radicals from that, and it actually produces the peroxide that it needs in the process. Yeah, that is cool. So it's, yeah, you kind of just need that little bit and then it's a self-sustaining thing kind of thing. Right. And those are the systems that you see out there on the market now that people are talking about when they're talking about going with AOP on the pools. Most of them are UV ozone only. They're not adding peroxide. It's creating its own. So again, okay, best way to produce hydroxyl radicals. However, it struggles to produce a lot of them. Gotcha. So it wouldn't be good for like a really huge pool now, ozone and hydrogen peroxide, this method's called peroxone. I mean, this is the tried and true way, the best <laughs> uh, the best way to produce a lot of it in okay. advanced oxidation. So we have peroxide injection and ozone. It's super, super popular, accepted by regulatory agencies. Field testing has gone on for a long time, so it has a proven track record. And the method is probably one of the most cost-effective means of producing that hydroxyl radical. That's cool. You could also go with just UV and hydrogen peroxide. Get the ozone out of there. So the last one was no UV. This one, no ozone. So in the UV light dissociation of hydrogen peroxide, this is probably the most used right now. Okay, so I just looked really quick. Um, I am not sorry to interrupt you. Uh, the Hayward system that I was <laughs> the Hayward system that I was talking about earlier that I couldn't remember is the HydraPure, and it uses oh uh, oh my goodness ozone and UV. Like the initial one we spoke about. And like I said, the mo right. most of them coming out into the pool market now that I see, that's what's coming out. These other systems are in use in water treatment. Some are on swimming pools, but not as much as the, um, and, and realistically, the other one's easier. Mm -hmm. It might not be the one that can produce the most hydroxyl radicals, but just having UV and ozone hooked up without having to worry about the addition of another liquid, hydrogen peroxide, it just makes a lot more sense. And we're not talking off-the-shelf peroxide from Walgreens here. We're talking, you know, something with a little bit more boost to right. it. Right, a little bit more of a concentration. In a UV hydrogen peroxide scenario, here we're using the light dissociation of hydrogen peroxide. And like I said, that's probably the most popular method of hydroxyl radical generation at the moment. And it's due primarily to UV having grown in popularity, especially in the remediation of fecal-related waterborne uh, zoonoses or protozoa such as Cryptosporidium and Giardia. Uh, huge benefit. I got the poo. <laughs> well, we'll keep that off of you. So hopefully we don't <laughs> run out of toilet paper this year. A huge benefit hey, here is the a UV peroxide is the process to generate large amounts. On the other hand, it does require a heck of a lot more hydrogen peroxide than any of the other methods to make it happen. So that's there's always a downfall to everything, right? So now mm -hmm. yep. I'm sure you've already figured it out. What's my what's my last option? All of them. 
Hydrogen peroxide, ozone, and UV. Sounds like it's going to kick ass, right? And you know what? It, Absolutely. It does. I bet the water looks nice and sparkly. And well, clear. that's the thing. We already know that ozone and UV systems work. They work really, really well, right? And that gives mm -hmm. us the formation of peroxide and the hydroxyl radical. But by adding additional peroxide, you can actually augment our hydroxyl radical generation. However, it costs a lot. Uh, I knew there was going to be a catch. So you can't have everything. But anyway, back in the pool industry, what we're looking at here, UV and ozone. Let it make its own hydrogen peroxide and say way the systems are sized that they allow for the fact that they're just not producing a lot of the hydroxyl radicals. And again, there are options there that we just talked about that give people the ability to produce even more and have even better water quality mm -hmm. and use even lower amounts of chlorine. So how cool is that? That's pretty cool. Although I do, is that, so now th is this what people are talking about when they talk about drinkable pool water? Are they talking about this? There's no such thing I as know, drinkable but pool I'm water. talking about the people who say that there is, is this what they are referring to? Or is there some other? No, those people, those people were dropped on their heads when they were little. Their water gain theory proponents. <laughs> People put their asses in it. You don't drink it. It just comes down to that. Listen, let, well, let me ask you this. So if I gave to you a bottle of Zephyr Hills, I would not drink butt water. So please stop yelling at no, me. No, no, no. I'm giving, <laughs> I'm not yelling at you. I'm just saying, if I was to give you a bottle of Zephyr Hills and tell you that someone's ass had been in it, are you going to drink it? Absolutely not. But it's Zephyr Hills. I don't give a shit. I don't drink Dasani because it tastes <laughs> like spending someone's butt cheeks. <laughs> well, listen, that's what I'm saying. There's no such thing. Swimming pool water. Dasani tastes like someone rang it out of their bathing suit. Swimming pool water will never be drinkable water for those reasons. It's outside. It's open to the environment. <laughs> People put their butts in it. Animals go in there. It's void of an ecosystem. And now don't get me started on those natural pools again, because even though they have their <laughs> own, their own little mini ecosystem, they are still not immune to what someone's ass does to the water. And asses can do a lot of damage to pools. Well, it's the protozoa, it's oh. the disease, it's those types of things that come out of people. So anything that gets in there, um, raccoons, birds, all of it, everything carries something that a person could become ill from. And it's just not the best way to go about it. Even in a lake or a river, people get sick all the time. Oh, yeah. And there's like flesh eating amoebas and all that kind of stuff. Now they have that venomous sunfish that came out down in South Florida. No. The venomous bluegills. Venomous You've heard about those? Yeah. The, in the Everglades. Yeah. Uh -uh. They're taking out um, the alligator population. They only weigh about a pound, but they're like piranha. And once they bite them, the alligator becomes infected. Really? I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People, for the Pool People, by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. 
So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor, click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 